Now, this morning, there's a lot that you can look at here in John 15, and we're not going to look at all of that. You have to remember that when you're reading John 15, that you have to kind of interpret these verses in light of kind of who he was talking about. Jesus was referencing Israel a lot right here, and there's a big picture that you can take away from this. Now, we're going to look at life application today. I believe there's still something that you can apply to our lives as Christians and draw strength from it because he is speaking to his disciples, which were believers. You and I today, if we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we're believers in Jesus. And so there is life application that we can take away from this. However, if you don't look at it from the point that he is also addressing the issue of Israel, there'll be a few verses in here that you'll, you'll back up, scratch your head and go, now what does that mean? Because, but those verses that will make you, and I won't get into all that today because that's a whole nother sermon. But, uh, and we'll chase a, a rabbit down a big old hole and we'll be running with that one for a while. But there are a couple of verses here that I just read that you may go and go, well, what does that mean for the individual believer? Well, he wasn't really speaking to the individual believer when he said that. He was speaking about Israel. See, if you go back and read in the Old Testament, there's four different trees that, that are used in the Old Testament to reference Israel. They use them in comparison. And one of, fig tree was one of them. You're going to see that. But then the vine was also one of the four. And you'll see a lot of things being addressed. God will address the children of Israel after the rapture takes place. When the rapture takes place and the tribulation period starts not long after that, God will deal with Israel through the tribulation period as well. So there's a lot to take in right here in John 15. But we're not going to look at all of that, okay? So uh, I just said that, just kind of lay some groundwork. I had something I was going to bring and read today, and I walked out and left it, left it laying right on the kitchen table. I realized it halfway here this morning. But there is a lot. If you want to go study out John 15, there is a lot of good stuff there, but it don't all apply to the individual Christian. Some of it applies to the nation of Israel, and you have to take the verses that apply to individuals and let them apply those that apply to Israel and apply them there. Because if not, we do take things out of context. And so, but let's look here. We got three quick points. The first one is the symbols. Let's notice the symbols represented here. I say the symbols or the people. It says here in verse 1, we're going to look at verse 1 and verse 5. Those are the two verses that's going to fall under point 1. Jesus, as he's talking to his disciples, he says, I am the true vine. He says, my father is the vine dresser. And then he jumps down into verse 5. And we're going to go back and look at 2, 3, and 4 in a moment. But for now, let's look at verse 5. He says, I am the vine. This is Jesus talking. He says, you are the branches, speaking to the disciples. And again, there's life application here today for the, for the individual believer because we're the branches too. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. So we got Jesus is the vine. The Father is the gardener, okay? Uh, when it says the vine dresser, that's the gardener. He's the one who cares for the branches to make sure that they're fruitful, the believer, as I've already said, is the branch of those that claim to be followers of Jesus Christ. Now, I, I, I wrote this in one of my other Bibles. I was reading it yesterday, and I wish I had written it down. I wrote it down a long time ago. I wish I had wrote it in this Bible. But in my margins, I wrote a long time ago. Uh, if you've got a grapevine at home, you, you note this. I've, I don't have one. I planted one this year where I live at now. I planted one over at my mom and dad's house probably 15 years ago, and it, it puts on a lot of grapes every year. But, you know, when you get to walking, it's just something to take in this morning as we're talking about the vine. But, you know, when you get to looking at a big grape vine there that's really growing, it is hard to tell the difference between the vine and the branches, is it not? 
And the branch is the one that puts on the grapes, the, the fruit. Now, I, I wrote that in my Bible a long time ago in another Bible I used to preach out of, and I think it's noteworthy this morning. You and I should be so connected to the vine, to Jesus, that it is really hard to tell the difference between, between the vine and the branches. In other words, it, it's Paul. remember what Paul wrote over there in the New Testament when he was talking to the church, when he was trying to educate him in the way of the Lord? He says, you want to know what Jesus looks like? Look at me. Now, that sounds like an arrogant statement. When you first read it, you go, wow, Paul, that was, that was pretty arrogant. But what Paul was saying is, look, I'm trying to live my life so much like Jesus that you want to know what Jesus looks like? Just look at me because I'm trying my hardest to mirror his life through my life. And when we live our lives every day, we should be living in such a way that when people look at us, they don't see us, but they see Jesus. Now, I know that's a tall order, and we struggle with that, and we fail every day miserably, but that should be what we do. We try to live our lives in such a way that when people do look at us, they do see Jesus. But and when we're going through these verses today, I want you to, to just remember that Jesus is divine, we're the branches, and that God is the vine dresser. He is the gardener. He is the one who cares for them. But there's a statement that he makes right there in verse 5 that I want to point out before we go on to, um, go on to point 2. And that is this. Notice what he said in verse 5. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me. Now, if you want, you may not be an underliner or a circler or any of these things. I'm both. But I underline things and circle things in my Bible all the time simply because I believe that when something shows up repeatedly in Scripture, especially in a, in a few verses, God's trying to show us something. Or he's trying to tell us something. You want to take note of that. If it keeps showing up, underline that or circle it. And something that shows up repeatedly in these eight verses, matter of fact, it shows up, I think, about seven times in some form or fashion, and that is the words, abide in me. Now, he says here, he who abides in me. Now, it shows up in some form or another. He says to abide in or abide in me or, uh, and, and, or abide in you. But he says, he who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. Now, that's going to mean something here in point three in just a moment about bearing much fruit. But then Jesus makes his statement. And again, this is noteworthy. He says, for without me, you can do nothing. Boy, if you ever wanted to underline something, underline that. We can't do anything without Jesus. I, I was sitting a while ago. I, I'm going to walk over here and grab this. I was going to grab something out of my office, and I forgot it. And I probably just left the camera, and everybody's going, what is going on? He's, he's left the stage. Let's do this here. We're going to steal this light. Let's bring it up here. Let's set it up here. I assume this plug-in works. If it doesn't, I'm going to have to find another one. Awesome. Okay, so I plugged this light in here. I could get a light, I could get a fan, I could get a lot of things. I turned this on, we got light, right? Why do we have light? Because it's plugged into the power source. But I can come over here and turn this light off, and I can unplug this, and I can lay it right down here beside it. And it's probably only about three feet from that, that, from that plug-in. But I get nothing. I can come up here, and I could duct tape that thing right there. I mean, I could just, like, lay it beside it. And, and tape it. Still nothing. It's not going to come on. And, and I know that's a very cheesy illustration. I used that word the other day in my classroom. Cheesy and the kids didn't even know what it was. I said, that was cheesy. And they said, what is cheesy? I said, you know, I don't really know what that means either. It just means it's goofy. But it's cheesy. It's from, from my, my time. But it's kind of cheesy to, to, to do this illustration. I mean, it's in the building. It's, it's next to the plug-in. There's power all in here. There's a plug-in right here. I mean, I'm even holding it nothing. So what's the deal? 
I mean, power's like right there. I mean, I, if you could see power, I could see power in there. But unless it's plugged in, we got nothing. I know that's not correct grammar. We don't have anything. But it must be plugged in, and I'll go put that back in a moment. But the same thing is true of a Christian. We can sit in the building. We can come in and out of here all day long. We can sit next to other Christians. We can tote a Bible. We can walk around and tote this thing on our head if we want to. If you ain't plugged into the source, it ain't going to do you any good. You've got to be plugged into Jesus. And listen, just because you're on the premises doesn't mean anything. There's a lot of Christians today that are leading mediocre lives. They're leading powerless lives as Christians. They're not accomplishing anything for Christ because they're not plugged into the source. You can be a Christian and not be abiding with God. That's very possible. I could go out there right now and cut off a... If this was real, man, and this was a real tree, which it's not, I could cut off a branch of this and lay it right down there beside it. It wither up and die sooner or later. Why? Because it's not connected anymore. And Christians will just about wither up and die if we don't stay connected to the source. This morning I was uh, riding to church and I thought about this song, so I pulled it up on my phone after I stopped. And I pulled it up in a hurry in here and looked at it, but the song, I Can't Even Walk, that's a very popular church song. But the chorus goes something like this, Oh Lord, I can't even walk without you holding my hand. The mountain's too high and the valley's too wide. Down on my knees, that's where I learned to stand. Oh, Lord, I can't even walk without you holding my hand. We are, as Christians, we think we can accomplish so many things apart from God, and we can't accomplish anything without God. Absolutely nothing. And we have to be reminded of that constantly. I know I do. I am, I, I'm, uh, I've been guilty of this a lot in my life, trying to accomplish things for God apart from God. That's real easy to do. It is really, really easy to try to accomplish something. Dayton, I'm going to ask you to come grab a seat right now. Right now. Is he sitting down, Mr. Andy? Is he sitting down? If you throw another paper towel across the back of that church, you and I are going to do business after church. Got me? And I know you heard me. I've given you about a month of Sundays to get that together. And I'm sorry to y'all, but I will call you out. I've called out more kids than I have money in the bank account, which ain't much. So, But you can sit down and out like you're supposed to. And I apologize, Miss Jean, but he cannot throw stuff across the back of the church while I'm preaching. It ain't going to happen. So getting back to where we were at, we can't even walk. We can't even walk. Without, him holding our, without us holding his hand. We need Jesus and we need to learn that we need Jesus. Look at, let's look at the steps. And that's point number two. Point number two, the steps. It says in verse two, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Now, let's look at these two words here. First, we must submit to the pruning. Now, we see the pruning taking place here at the end of verse 2. But in order to be pruned, what has to happen as a Christian? We must submit. Now, submit's an ugly word to a lot of us. Wouldn't you agree? Man, a lot of us don't want to... Pride don't want us to submit sometimes. But, you know, I had a kid a long time ago in my youth group. 
Um, he and I ended up having a great relationship. We butted heads a few times early on, but I had rules in my youth room that we had to follow, and he didn't like to follow those. This was all the way back to Hickok's days, uh, 15 years ago. And he walked in one day, and he looked at my rules on the wall, and he just automatically got an attitude. And what's funny is he went on to join the, the military. I thought that was comical, you know, that he had an issue with rules, and then he joined the military. I, you know, God works in mysterious ways. But he walked in one day, and he saw my rules, and he just automatically got an attitude. He walks up to me, he says, I don't like your rules. I said, I don't care. And he says, well, I don't like rules. I said, again, I don't care. They're my rules. You don't have to like them. And I said, because it's my youth room. This is where I lead the youth. It's not your youth room. You're a guest. And I want you here, but my rules, you have to abide by the rules. And he, man, he just got sideways on me. And uh, he said, I, and he just began to kind of act out. And I finally had to take him to his grandmother and sit him in the church. I said, you're not, you're not going to come in my youth room. And he tried to sneak back in. I took him out two more times. And I said, you can't. I went to the grandmother. I said, he can't come back in my youth group. He just can't because he can't abide by the rules. And then afterwards, he came up to me after church and he apologized to me. I said, I, I accept your apology. I said, we can move on now. I said, but what is it about rules you don't like? He said, I just don't like following people. I said, we all follow somebody. All of us do. I said, everybody submits to somebody. And uh, he said, who do you submit to? I said, well, I submit to God, my wife. I said, I have to submit to my wife. I said, because we're in this together as a partnership in marriage. I said, to the church. You know, I said, I'm a minister at the church. But again, I, I kind of follow me in, me in the church. I lead them, but I'm also following their, what they think. And I said, so we, everybody works together. I said, if you work a job, you have a boss. You're always going to have rules you have to follow. And I was trying to get him to understand that because so many people in life have a problem with submission. But if we look in Scripture, we'll see that it's all in Scripture submission. And that is, look, the Son submits to the Father. Amen? We submit to the Son. We go over into the book of Ephesians. We see the wife submits to the husband. And that, that's a, a really touchy subject there. But that's a whole other sermon. But then the kids, they submit to mom and dad. But it's all because it works in harmony when there's submission. It's the rules that God has set down because he's not the author of confusion. And so if you and I are going to be Christians like we're supposed to be, if we're going to be the children of God that he'd have us to be, we have got to submit to him. We have to. We have to follow the rules. And in order to be pruned, and if you look right here where it says, uh, for every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. When it talks about being pruned, you can't be pruned unless you submit. The submission has to come first, then the pruning comes next. When the, when the, when the uh, vine dresser walks up there to prune the branches of the grapevine, the branches are being, it's like they're submitting to the vine dresser, to the gardener. And he does what he needs to do is pruning off the dead things so that it may grow. You and I, if we really want to be the Christians that we need to be, we're going to have to submit to the Father. What does that mean? That means we place everything we have in the Master's hands. Everything. It's all His. And when we start trying to make it ours, we're not submitting. Submitting means that I take everything I have and I put it down at his feet and say, God, it's all yours, every bit of it. Now, that's hard for me to do sometimes, and I'm sure it's hard for you too. But we must live our lives in harmony with God. But what does it mean to be pruned? Okay, we're talking about submitting so we can be pruned. What does it mean to be pruned? It means to cut away things in our lives that don't need to be there. It means cutting away things in our lives that don't need to be where. Let's look at this. How about sin? 
Sometimes we let sin creep in. It needs to go away. How about bad habits? Sometimes pride gets in our way. Those things need to be pruned out. Sometimes empty religious activities. Things that are dead, unproductive. But again, remember, these things can't happen without submission. And that's when we get real before God. Remember we talked about last week about being broken, broken before God until we get to a place in our lives to where we are ready to walk with God. It ain't just going to magically happen. We have got to get to a place as Christians where we are ready to be in the right relationship with God that we need to be. And we take it and we just lay it at God's feet. Or basically we get at God's feet on our knees and say, God, when you look in my life, what do you see? God, what do you see? What in my life, God, is pleasing to you and what is not pleasing to you? And those things that aren't pleasing, God, I need you to get them out. Now, it's, it sounds easy when you say it like that. But sometimes it's hard because when we are on our knees praying, it, it seems so real. And it is real. And we're doing business with God and, and it just, it, it seems easy right there with a broken heart. But when you get up from that place of prayer, whether it be at home or this altar here, and we walk back and we start going about our everyday business, those things that you said, God, help me or take away from me, they'll start creeping back in. Because sometimes, and this is the hard part, sometimes those bad habits are associated with friends that we may not need to hang out with. And if, as a teenager, you know that. If, as an adult, it's still real. Sometimes we can have, in, we can have people that, we're, that we know that we need to share the gospel with, but there are sometimes we have to draw a line with those friendships and say, I can't hang out with you because you do this. And doing that is a temptation for, to me to do that same exact thing. I'm not that person anymore. I'm not that guy or I'm not that girl. And so I can be your friend, but I can't be your friend while you're doing that. Okay, I just can't. It's drawing a hard line in the dirt and saying, God, and, and just to be honest with you, sometimes we need a new set of friends. Sometimes we can't be friends with the ones we used to be friends with. We can still pray for them. We can still love them, but we can't hang out with them. And so sometimes the reason we have a hard time getting away from bad habits is because we have a hard time getting away from some bad people. And sometimes we have to do that. Now, that sounds hard for me to say that, but it's the truth. I have a couple of cousins that I lost in the last year due to some bad habits. And the reason they could never break those habits is because they couldn't break those friendships. And it ended up costing them everything. And so sometimes we have to draw those lines and say, I can't hang out with you anymore. But we've got to submit to God and we've got to allow Him to prune us. And here's the deal. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll save that for point three. Look at verse four in a hurry and we'll move on to point three. Notice what he says in verse four. And again, we've already said this, but it's worth repeating because it's all in this passage. But in verse 4, he says, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. In verse 5, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Now, I know you said, Brother Vance, we've already talked about that. We have. But Jesus said it again, okay? That's what I want you to get. Is yeah, he's already said it. But he was trying to drive that point home one more time. You have to abide in me. 
He's telling the disciples, you've got to abide in me. You can't do anything without me. And again, that is, if for Jesus to repeat it, it is noteworthy that if we stay connected to the Son, we're going to bear fruit. If we don't stay connected to Jesus, we won't bear fruit. It's just that simple. And sometimes it's, it's so simple as looking, and you can probably see it in my life, and I can see it in your life. And sometimes it's so simple as looking in somebody's life and see when they're not where they need to be at in their lives, it's so simple as to look and say, I bet their walk with God in their quiet time is not very good. That's usually what it boils down to. You can look at my life and say the same thing. That's not an insult to anybody. That's not an insult to me. If you looked at my life and said, well, Brother Vance must not be walking very close to God anymore because he, he just he acts different. And listen, I would like to hope that if you see that in me, that you would come to me and say, Brother Vance, and you know, one-on-one and say, Brother Vance, how's your walk with God? I'd like to hope that you love me enough to ask me that. I would like to hope that I could ask you that, not to say, mm-hmm, how are you living your life? It ain't like that. I'm not trying to get you in trouble, not trying to make you feel bad. But out of love, if I can look at you, in other words, Sunday school teachers, youth leaders, whoever you are, uh, deacons, if we see people in our church that have kind of slipped out and they haven't been here in a while, maybe we need to go see them or make a phone call and say, how's your walk with God? Hadn't seen you in about three weeks. Something's not right. And yes, sometimes circumstances in our lives will cause us to kind of slip away from God because we get, um, well, you know, it's easy, to, it's easy to serve God when everything's going great. It's a lot harder to serve Him when everything starts falling apart. It's a lot harder because, yeah, sometimes God allows those things to fall apart in our lives to drive us to our knees so we'll focus in on Him, but sometimes it's hard to pray when it feels like your world's crumbling around you. It's hard to pray. It's hard to read your Bible. It's hard to worship Him when it feels like this big old black clouds hanging over your head. It is very, very difficult. And right now in the times that we're living in, there's just this, just yesterday, uh, a family that I know of lost a loved one. And so we know that those people are struggling. And we know that there's a lot of sickness. I talked to a parent yesterday in Waycross, and it's just a lot going on right now. And sometimes in these hard times, it is hard to worship the Lord. But it's in these hard times that we need Him more than we've ever needed Him in our life. We need Him right now. And we got to dig deep and get down and get uh, and, and abide in Him. I read a, um, I did a Bible study a long time ago, and I'll move on when I say this, but I did a Bible study with some youth a long, long time ago. We did a, a retreat on a weekend, and we did it. It was called Rooted. I don't even. I think it came out of Philippians. I, I put it together, and I think that's where it came from. But we used the illustration of a tree. It was on the front of the book. We even had it on our shirt. We talked about how a tree can't can't grow any higher up than the roots grow down. And if the roots aren't very deep in the dirt, you're not going to see very much above the dirt. Watch, if you don't see much above the dirt, it's because there's not much under the dirt. But when you see a big old tree growing up and it's just massive and it's putting on fruit, you know it's got some roots. It is going deep. And that's the same way with us as Christians. Until we get deep into God's Word and we get deep into Jesus and we spend time with Him, there's not going to be anything up here to see. So we got to make sure that we're abiding in the vine, abiding in Jesus, and remember that we can't do anything without Him. Now let's notice the last thing and I'm done, and that's the success. We've looked at the... We've looked at the symbols. We've looked at the steps. 
Now, let's look at the success. In verse 7, it says this, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. And then verse 8 says, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Again, there in verse 7, Abide in me, my words abide in you. And then he says, If you ask what you desire, now you want to get this right here, don't miss this. He says, If you ask what you desire, it shall be done for you. Now that, right then we'd immediately go, Well, that means I can ask anything I want and God will give it to me. No. What you've got to stop and realize is when he says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you're going to ask whatever's in accordance to God's will. If you are abiding in God and God's abiding in you, you're not going to just ask for anything. You're going to ask for what pleases God in your life. That's what you're going to be praying for. And when we start to seek, when we start seeking God like we're supposed to, he tells us that we have uh, power in our prayers because we're going to be praying in his might. And we're going to be praying in his will. And he says, and by this my Father is glorified. And again, that's the whole point in our life being lived out here upon this earth as Christians is that we bring glory to the Father. And he tells us that we'll bear much fruit. Now, there are some fruits mentioned here, not only in what we just read, but if you read through the rest of chapter 15, which we're not going to do, but you, if you read through there, you'll see some fruits here mentioned. You'll see joy You'll, have, you'll see answered prayer. We just talked about that. You'll see love over here in verses 9 through 17 if we abide in the vine. Now, Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to flip over there and read something to you out of that in a hurry. Some of y'all know where I'm going. Galatians chapter 5. I think it's verse 22. Yes. Verse 22 tells us, he says, But the fruit of the Spirit, and this is some of the ones we've already mentioned, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Now, basically what Paul was writing here is that when we abide in God like we're supposed to, and the Spirit has full reign in our lives, and we're listening to His leadership and what He's teaching us, then we're going to be more lovable. We're going to show more love than we've ever shown before. We're going to show, or we're going to have joy in our lives. Even when things are bad and we can't smile, uh, maybe we don't have happiness, but we got joy in our heart. We can smile because we know who is in control of all things. We can have peace. Long-suffering, which is patience, will show kindness. There'll be goodness and faithfulness. Now, we can't do that apart from God. It's hard to have those things. It's hard to have those things with God, living in the time that we live. But you definitely can't do it without God. You have to be grounded in the things of Jesus. And when you are, when you get up and you spend time with God and you pray and you seek Him, you're going to be a lot more loving. Your patience is going to be a lot more. But have you ever just tried to be uh, more joyful all on your own? You ever tried to do that? I have. I'm just going to have joy today if it kills me. You ever done that? Yeah, I, I, I'm just going to be loving today if it takes everything I got. And it will take everything you got, I promise you. 
You can't do it. You cannot pull off a loving spirit or be patient or kind. You can't do it without God. There will be something that if you get up that day and you just bound and determined you're going to do it, something will push your buttons and you'll lose it and you'll go, well, that didn't last very long. But if you get in God's Word and you spend time with God and you read His Word and you let that Word get into your mind and let it get into your heart. Because remember what Paul wrote over there? He says, by the renewing of your mind, God's Word helps to renew our minds. And our minds are one of the most powerful things we have because sin will, will creep into our minds sometimes. See, that's how, sin, that's how sin often works. It creeps into our minds first, and then we think about it. Then we let it take root in our heart, and now we're, now we're, we're, like, we're dwelling on it. And before long, it moves its way down to our feet, and now we're acting on it, and now we've just messed up. So put God's Word in your, in your, in your mind, in your thoughts, Listen to Christian music. Allow it to get into your thoughts and in your mind. And let it change. Let it change who you are. Let it change the way you think. And when you spend time with God and you get into His Word and you let it take root and it begins to change your mind and your heart, you will be those things that, those things that often set you off won't set you off as bad because you look and go, well, you know, that really wasn't that big a deal. If there's one thing I'm learning as a... As a and it took me a long time to get there, and y'all probably think I still got a long ways to go, and I do. I'll be the first one to tell you. I have a long ways to go, but I'm not as bad as I used to be. And that's sweating the small stuff. You know, there's, life is full of a ton of small things, ain't they? There's things you can't control. But sometimes I will let those small things just work me into a tizzy. No. Get in God's Word. And right now we live in a time where I see people just being just... I mean, I don't want to use the word scared because scared ain't what I'm trying to say. They're just letting it just beat them down almost. And it's just worries of this life. It's just a lot of things going on. We get into God's Word, we realize, you know what? There is a lot of things going on in this life. There's a lot of unknowns. There's a lot of uncertainties. And there's, there's what ifs. Man, there's a lot of what ifs. But there's one thing that I know for certain, and that is God is still God. I don't know a lot of things, but I know He still reigns. I know He is still in control, and I know he, uh, He's going to win. Connie pulled up a, a T-shirt ID yesterday on, on her computer, on her phone, and showed it to me. She said, I'm thinking about, because she does the FCA at the elementary school, she said, I'm thinking about getting this for our FCA shirts, and you've probably seen it, but it has right here, it says, Spoiler. God wins, you know. And so that's what you have to remember is even when it seems like everything is chaotic, remember, God, God wins. He's still in control. He has not lost control. He has not surrendered control. He is still God. Things happen sometimes in our lives. Life's full of ups and it's full of downs. There are things that make us scratch our heads. There are things that we don't understand. And it went the way it went. But here's the thing we can know is that God is still God and that we, that Jesus is the vine, we are the branches, we must stay abiding in Him, especially now more than any other time. And if we do that, if we stay connected to Jesus like we're supposed to, we're going to be able to live our lives out here on this earth in some of the most difficult times. And I, I think the times are difficult now. I think they're going to get more difficult for it's all said and done. If we live that long, it's going to get more difficult but right now, people need to see Jesus in us. And they can't see Jesus in us if we don't stay connected to Jesus. It's, you might be a Christian today, but it is impossible. And I know this because I've tried to do it. 
many times in my life, and it sounds crazy what I'm about to say, but I've tried to live a Christian life apart from Jesus. Not on purpose, not on purpose, but just get to doing the stuff to the point that you forget to walk with Him. Walking with Jesus is more important than working for Jesus. You walk with Him, you'll glorify God in your everyday life. If you just set out to do something for God, it's probably not going to work. You've got to spend time with God. Let everything come out of the overflow of your quiet time along with God. And I, I'll be honest with you. Right now, you may be struggling with that. I am. I'm just going to be real with you right now. I'm, re I'm struggling with my quiet time right now. Uh, you guys know I started my job three weeks ago or four weeks ago, something like that. And I'm still trying to find that time that works best for me in my quiet time. Oh, I have quiet time. It, it just ain't the way I want it yet. I'm still trying to find that, that time that it works the best for me. And I'm struggling with that. I'm reading my Bible and I'm praying, but I want that time, and you know what I'm talking about, that time, so that when you get along with God, you're just like, oh, this is my time. And, and, I, and I haven't found that spot yet like I want it. I'm, sometimes I'm having to have my quiet time at the end of my day instead of at the first of my day. I'm trying to get it at the first of my day, and right now it ain't working. I've tried to put it in there so many times, and it's something that always gets in the way. The last three weeks, something is constantly getting in my way, and so I end up having to slide it to the end of my day. And I need my, my time with God early in my day, because if I don't, then the rest of my day don't go so good. So as the, as the principal said the other day, when we were trying to figure out what to do with all of this COVID stuff, she said, you know, she stopped in the middle of the meeting. She says, I just need me some Jesus right now. I don't know about y'all. So we stopped and had prayer. And sometimes we just need us some Jesus. No, I'm not going to say sometimes. We always need us some Jesus. And so you may be like me. Maybe you're having a hard time right now finding that time to carve out just for you and God uninterrupted. But you need that. Keep seeking God. Keep praying that He would show you that time that's going to work good for you because it is vital it is vital to your walk with Him. You need it, and so do I. So as our ladies are coming this morning to lead us in our invitation, if, if you need God to do some pruning in your life this morning, and we all do, we all do. I don't think there's a person sitting in this room today that couldn't say that, God, I need you to take a good look at my life. Maybe you need to cut something loose. Maybe you need to trim me up a little bit. And you know, if you've ever had a grapevine, and we didn't really get over in this so much today, but if you've ever had a grapevine, there are some years that it just don't put on grapes like you'd like it to. And you look at it and you realize, you know what, I got some pruning that needs to take place. I got some disease branches or I got this going on or that going on. And you have to go through and sometimes you have to cut it back pretty good. You have to cut that thing back until you back up and go, ooh, it looks ugly now because I cut that thing back. I cut all the pretty greenery off of it. It's gone. But next year, what happens? Man, it puts on a ton of grapes. Why? Because it's healthy now. You got rid of all the stuff that didn't need to be there. And so that might be what needs to happen in our lives today. We might need God to just prune us back and to get rid of the unnecessary. So this morning as we have our invitation, be real with God and just ask Him to show you anything in your life that doesn't need to be there. So let's pray. Father God, we are so thankful today, Lord, for Your Word. And we're so thankful, God, for what it means to us, God, and how we can read it and how we can draw strength from it. And God, I appreciate these verses, and I have read them so many times in my life. And God, multiple times in my life, I've had to just get down and be real in front of you, Lord, and just ask you 
to just prune and cut back things that don't need to be there. Because God, it is so easy to allow things to creep in. And sometimes we're not even aware of it. Sometimes we get kind of lazy in our walk and sometimes we allow bad habits to creep in and sometimes we slip here and we adopt some things there and before long we're just, we, we can just notice in our lives that we're not being what we need to be. We just don't seem as close to you as we once did and we know you haven't moved, it's, it's us. And Lord, when I get real and honest before you, and I ask you to please take a look into my life. God, you begin to start showing me things. Little thoughts pop into my head that, you know, I shouldn't have done that, or that probably wasn't a good idea. I can remember when I started doing that, and that's about the time I didn't seem as close. God, you bring those thoughts to our minds, and, and we're thankful for that. And God, as we do that this morning, Lord, as we begin to look and try to cut out the things that that we don't need that's hurting us. God, give us strength. Give us strength, Lord, to make those decisions, to get up from the altar this morning or from our seats, wherever it is that we pray. God, help us to leave those things laying right there, to not drag them with us, but to walk out of this building and say, you know what, I buried that today. It's dead. I'm not going back there. I'm going to live my life for, for Christ. God, help us to be strong this morning to make those decisions and so that we can be the branches, the Christians that we're supposed to be, so that we can glorify our Father in heaven, so that people may see you in us. Lord, help us this morning. And God, I just want to pray for these ladies this morning as they lead us in worship for our invitation. I pray, God, you'd bless them. And God, for all the hearts that are in here today, God, may we be receptive to your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.